Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. Welcome to the Fight Night podcast. I'm Adam Catterall and this has been brought to you by Talk Sport. You already know that because you subscribe. Or maybe you don't. If this is the first time that you've ever decided, if you know something, I'm going to give that lot on TalkSport a bit of a crack when it comes to the world of boxing, hit subscribe on iTunes. It's not that difficult. You'll never miss out on any of our boxing content, and it'll be in your inbox every single Monday morning following our Saturday night live show, just in case you can't join us for that. If you need an Android feed, by the way, it is available on the TalkSport website, TalkSport.com. Now, at the weekend, we had a ton of guests, so let's get straight into it, shall we? First up... The unified super lightweight world champion, Josh Taylor, joined us on the show. The Tarpon Tornado, Josh He thinks he's the best. I think I'm the best, so I just want to fight him. Turning up the temperature here, Josh Taylor. You can see right through your bravado. You can see right through it. You can see right through it. I can see it in your eyes. The fighting pride of Scotland. The form that I was on was just, uh, I feel I was unbeatable and I feel like I feel like I am kind of almost unbeatable at the minute. Um, I just feel like I'm coming into my prime now and I'm just starting to get real going, real good and uh, I just come to a grinding halt, which is it's just a bit of a shame but and really frustrating to be to be honest because by now um, hopefully I've already spanked Ramirez by now and uh Hopefully had all the belts and you know and then looking at other things, but you know it's uh, 
it is what it is. We are here now, and uh, you know, obviously, I've got this fight in three weeks' time, and uh, you know, we haven't we're having to start again really. But you know, it's a fresh start, and uh, you know, I'm 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 loving every single minute of it. You know, the fresh start, everything new. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm happy where I am, and we're uh, delighted to get going. We can't wait to get going in three weeks' time. Well, that term there, fresh start, that you use it. I mean, that's a, that's a I think perfect actually for where you're at because you've changed promoter, you've gone with top rank. They're obviously giddy about you in America, but you've also changed uh, training regimes. And I know that you've been out in Portugal doing your thing uh, with Ben. How how has that been going for you, mate? Because I suppose whilst we've all been in lockdown, you've been able to go away and learn on all the things that uh, Ben wants to add to the game. Yeah, it's been brilliant. Um, you know, and the reason we went over to Spain was obviously everywhere in the UK was pretty strict, and uh, up here in Scotland, you know, Nicholas uh, Sturgeon has just only opened uh, gyms last week you know so um, if that was the case if I'd still been here in Scotland I wouldn't have been able to get to the gym until started last week which is absolutely no good so um, we decided you know we'd done a bit of homework and we saw that Porto Ventura was still open and pretty normal so we and and no disrespect to the weather in Scotland it's a bit better you know what I mean you can get a bit of sun on your face just just (laughs) decided to go a holiday abroad just come to Scotland it's beautiful (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, we decided to go there because everywhere was still normal and open and uh, we got a good month over there five weeks we were over there training and you know getting getting in good shape the feel good factor with the sun on your back and that as well yeah. training and running along the beach and that it was just uh, amazing you know brilliant so and and that time to you know gel with Ben a little bit more as well you know get to know each other more on a personal level and you know get to know each other's mind better so yeah it was really good and really valuable so yeah time time well spent yeah knowing Evening, Josh. Um, knowing knowing Ben as I do very well, um, I always thought you and he would be a very good fit. And also, obviously, Billy Joe Saunders was out there with you, I believe, as well. So I, I imagine the triumvirate of you three were, was very effective there in the gym as well. And I'm fascinated to see the intricacies of the work that you and Ben have done, because as you know, as you now know, Ben is a very deep thinker on the game and he and I had chatted about your style and he was convinced that he would be able to put new layers on you. Has that happened? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I think so. And, you know, and you'll see it on three weeks' time. Um, we've been working on a bit of things and that, you know, that I was already good at, but polishing up on them and I was kind of ne- neglecting a little bit, you know, so... We've um, we've been working on things that you know I'm um, just making my strengths even stronger and a little bit weaknesses a little bit better as well you know so we're we've been working on all things and we're we're happy with the way things is going everyone's just clicking into place now as well with sparring and that as well so we um, we're flying and we can't wait to get in there in, in a couple of weeks time. There's a great stat that our producer Ed's pulled out tonight for us in the running order, and I've got to tell you this. Do you know you will be the first male world champion from this country to defend their belt this year? Current one, yeah. Oh, no, Cal, you five four in February, didn't he? But you're the you're the only one at the current champions that will be defending the, the, the first one to defend their belt this year. No, well, so there's no pressure then on me on me winning <laughs> and keeping it. 
Just for that one, lads. Thanks no, very much. Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. We thought we'd throw that on you. You, um, just, you, you love pressure. Yeah, you love pressure. <laughs> no, listen. I, I don't, to be honest, I, there's a whole lot of expectation on me and to do this and that in, in Scotland and things like that, you know, to carry the flag. But I, I don't feel any of it. I actually thrive on it because it's what yeah. you get in the game for. You dream, you dream of being able to perform in front of thousands of people and you know, millions of people on telly and things like that, you know, so I love it, you know, I love the big nights and the big buzz and, you know, the pressure of, of failing, the, 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 the fear of failing, the fear of getting beat, I love it, you know, it's just, it's a massive, huge adrenaline rush, there's just nothing like it, so I, I love every single minute of what I'm doing, um, has, I, just, I, I love it. Has watching the Ramirez-Postol fight made you even more focused on the, on the job in hand in a few weeks' time? Yeah, 100%, you know, um, obviously, I, I watched that fight, at, like, obviously, I watched it with close intent and interest, but, you know, I've been and forgotten about that already, but I've got my own, I, I couldn't give two monkeys about uh, uh, Ramirez, you know, um, I'm just interested in myself and what I'm doing, and, um, you know, I've got I've got my own job to do in three weeks' time, and then after that, once I believe I'll, I believe I'll do a good job, I believe I'm going to put on a strong performance, and, and then we can focus on what's next. So I'm not thinking about that at all. But you know, it's uh, we've we've been you know emulating what we think well, what it's going to be like on fight night. You know, there's mm. no crowd, no noise, no nothing. You know, so a bar with no music on, no people talking in the gym and things like that. Just replicating the experience of what it's going to be always happen. So I don't think it's going to be any different or an alien experience. You know, so it's uh, going to be like a glorified sparring session but with the yeah. TV cameras there but at the same time my belts and records are on the line so everything's on the line and it gives it that more that bit more you know fear factor in there as well because everything's on the line so uh, I'll be right up for it don't worry about that there's no there's no worries about that Alright your, mind, your mind's on Kong Song you must uh, let, talk about this then as a, from a fan point of view from a, as a boxing fan point of view what did you make of the Ramirez Postal fight what did you make of it? I thought it was a very good fight. I actually scored the fight um, a draw myself. Um, yeah. I scored it a draw. I thought Postal ran away with the early rounds, the first half of the fight. You know, the first five, six rounds made Ramirez look very ordinary and slow and loading up and everything. I saw lots of holes that I, I definitely will expose if or when we meet, um, if that fight ever gets made. You know, um, I believe I, I will expose him, you know, um, I believe I had a hard time, you know. I've scored that draw, so I wasn't impressed with what I saw at all. It also, what it does... Well, sorry to interrupt you, Gareth. It, what it also yeah, does... Yeah, no go. I think, it, I think it cements how good your victory was against Victor Postel, you know, because he absolutely brought his A game to that fight and, OK, people might throw shade on Ramirez, but I thought Postel was sensational that night. So for you to have a victory in the manner that you did against him, I think speaks volumes of, of, of that particular night and maybe gets it even more credit a few years on. Yeah, I think it was a, a good performance, considering as well. I had, I had a lot. That was my first sort of fight at world level as well. I'd only been only done, had that was only my thirteenth fight, yeah. you know. So I, there was a lot of pressure riding on me. I was a lot. I was putting a lot of pressure on myself um, because I had a lot of proving to do. So I believe if I had that fight again, I'd impress even more. I'd put on even more dominant performance, you know. And it would be the be the I'd kind of blow them away, but. Um, I just, yeah, what, what you said, yeah, I think it makes my, my victory look a little bit better, yeah. 
But having said um, that, I thought Costello mm. did turn up on the night, and yeah. I thought he had a great night, and I thought he was quite unlucky to to um, to to get not get it, you know, not get the nod. Yeah, agree. Before you came on, Josh, Adam and I were talking about very big fights behind closed doors when there isn't a crowd, when you are already accustomed, you know, Commonwealth Games, the big fights you've had, the the, the World Boxing Super Series, they were all massive fights. And yeah. in defence of Jose Carlos Ramirez, um, he might... Not, the, v- Victor That's good, Post- that, That's good, that. <laughs> eh, podemos hablar en español todas las, las, uh, las programas. Eh? Let's, don't get me speaking Spanish, you two, all right? Um, the... the, the <laughs> <laughs> in defence of him, and Postol is a world-class operator, as we know, you said just now in your very own words it's going to be like a glorified sparring session, but you've got two world title belts on the line, and I do think it's probably a different experience without that giant walk with a huge crowd. With You are such... You draw on those things, the energy of the crowd, and I think it will be... I mean, I expect you to win handily, but I think it will be a fascinating uh, experience. But the very good thing for you, the second point I wanted to make was the fact that you're going to defend your titles on September the 26th. And Adam and I as well were talking about December the 12th, December the 19th for the Fury and Joshua fights being lined up. It potentially lines you up for this massive unification later in the year when there are crowds and it yeah. could be a lot of us traveling to america say in december or january and are you are you projecting that with ben as well december january for the big unification for all the belts all the belts <laughs> yeah well like the, your first point there where you're saying there's no crowd and stuff but like you said the the belts are on the line and my record is on the mm. line so I will have that fear factor and I will have that nerves, which you do need um, to keep you on the toes, which I believe makes you a bit sharper. So there's no need to worry about that. I believe I'll be I'll be right up for it because I've got a fear of losing. You know, I've got a fear of losing my titles and losing the dream that I've got, which is hopefully potentially one fight closer to getting that undisputed fight and, you know, and one fight closer to getting that dream fight at either Edinburgh Castle or Easter Road or over the pond in the Ooh. USA, like you say. So um, I'm going to have the fear factor, of course, because I want to win that fight and put on a good performance. So um, I don't, I don't believe it's going to affect me any, right. any anyway. Um, so yeah, I feel, I feel good. And then obviously moving forward um, would be hopefully my next, my next one would hopefully to be for all the belts. Hmm. But obviously you don't know what's going to happen with with the WBO mandatory and Catrell and mm. all that sort of carry on. So we don't we don't know, but I would like to think that can get pushed aside and um, the big fight can get made. Okay. Here's one for you then. The Edinburgh Castle job, right? Here we go, because we want this fight uh, at home. This would be wonderful. Once you become... Goosebumps. Undisput- once you become <laughs> undisputed super lightweight champion, when they stick the microphone in your face, right... Because this guy can't get any fights at 147, do me a favour, call Terence Crawford back down, yeah? Say, come on then, son. You used to be the undisputed champion. Let's come and dance. Come and dance in my castle and let's do it for everything. I'll put it all on the line at 140. That sounds good to me, Josh. What about you? That sounds good to me. Listen, I would actually fight anybody. I'd fight anybody in a phone box, you know, so um, <laughs> I'm not really bothered who, who it is. Um, of course, I would love to fight uh, Terence Crawford. He's a... Uh, He's tipped as the, the pound for pound number one, number two, thereabouts, you know. So obviously I'm in the game to 
to be the best I can be and, and fight the best, you know. So I believe I'm one of the best in the game at the minute. So I want to fight the other guys that are the best as well. So I, I want, I'm in this game to test myself. So 100% I'm game to fight any single one of them. Now, following Josh Taylor, we spoke to Bob Arum, a man that has his fingers in quite a lot of pies. We started the conversation talking about his upcoming night of fights on Saturday involving Jamel Herring. Who would believe it? I mean, here is a kid, uh, Jamel Herring, uh, who is tremendously disciplined, having served two tours of duty uh, in the Mideast, in the Marines, and, uh, you know, exemplary citizen. And uh, he got coronavirus uh, while training in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, tested uh, two weeks later negative, came to uh, Vegas, got tested again, boom, positive. Mm. Next time uh, he was negative, and then he got a positive because uh, – there were still some particles left, even though they couldn't cause uh, any kind of, uh, they, were, they weren't transmittable. Yeah. Uh, finally, we got a negative when he came in, and we got a negative uh, last night at the weigh-in, and so he's all set to go. And poor Aquendo must be relieved because this is his third time, yeah. and he's always been negative. No, absolutely. A lot of fight fans excited about this fight uh, because they know what it means, especially British and Irish fight fans. Uh, we've, heard, we've had you on the show previously speaking about, obviously, if Carl Frampton comes through his fight, which he did, Jamel Herring comes through his fight, which hopefully he will do later on, then you will set up uh, that big world title clash uh, for Carl Frampton uh, with the opportunity of him becoming a three-weight world champion against Jamel at some point later on this year. Is that still the plan, Bob? Yeah, hopefully. You know, again... There's so much that boxing promoters who generally have control of a lot of things don't have control about. We certainly don't have a control over uh, this coronavirus, and we don't have a troll, uh, control over uh, travel restrictions uh, in the U.K. and in the United States. Uh, so, again, no, no promises because uh, this... These are factors beyond anybody's control. Bob, um, good evening. Um, the um, We had Josh Taylor on the show earlier. He sounded very buoyant and very, very up, and it's really good to hear him. Um, he's a very talented young man. Obviously, he's fighting here under your auspices, your umbrella on September the 26th. He's a talent, isn't he? How excited. You've promoted all the great boxers over the last 50 years. How far can this kid, Josh Taylor, go? I think he's terrific. I mean, he's, you know, uh, I, he, he's on his way uh, to greatness. Uh, I mean, it was not an easy feat for him to wor- win that World Series of Boxing title uh, in beating progress. He beat it up. Beat a real, real good first-class fighter. Uh, now he'll uh, he has a tough high kid that he's against uh, uh, in September. Uh, he gets through that fight. Uh, then uh, Jose Ramirez will be waiting for him. Well, and what it, we were talking to Josh about that as the timing is 
brilliant, of course, because by the end of the year, we hope that crowds will be back, will be back in. Is that a December, January fight with uh, Jose Carlos Ramirez? Is it easy enough to make? Oh, it's easy, very easy to make. Uh, it will depend completely on the virus and on these rules and regulations regarding spectators. I mean, in the United States, uh, it would uh, uh, sell out uh, various arenas uh, with 18,000, 20,000 people. And probably in the UK, it would do uh, that many spectators either in Scotland or uh, in um, uh, in London. Like the O2 Arena. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, again, and, and uh, I don't know about Josh because I haven't talked uh, at length with him about it, but Jose has absolutely no problem uh, going over uh, to fighting in the UK. In fact, he would sort of uh, love the challenge. Mm. Yeah, be brilliant. But what's the latest uh, with Terence Crawford? We've 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 seen the rumours that you're close to making a fight with him and Kelbrook. How far down the line are you? Well, we're talking with the Kelbrook people, the lovely people, and we, you know, if we can. Uh, finalize uh, with Kell Brook, which we hope to do next week. And also we have to finalize the deal with Terrence. Uh, we'll get that fight on mid-November. Have you got, has he uh, got itchy uh, knuckles? Uh, has, has Terrence got itchy? Because obviously Terrence said he wanted more money to fight originally during lockdown. Has he got itchy knuckles to fight now? No, I mean, I don't know what he was saying. Uh, maybe he was afraid that we would cut him below his minimum. I, God knows what's in his mind. I mean, some of these guys, when they're, uh, you know, when they're facing uncertainty, not the fault of anybody, uh, say things that they really haven't thought out. And throughout this whole pandemic, uh, there is no fighter that we've cut uh, from his minimum. Regarding um, the heavyweights, Bob, because a lot of people listening to this are obviously uh, absolutely lasered in on how that all all plays out. What is the, what is the latest that you can tell us with the Wilder Fury situation? I know that you've mentioned a couple of times there about fans coming back into arenas. Does that fight totally depend on whether you can get fans into the arena or not? Yeah, you can't do that fight without fans in the arena. The gate uh, uh, in the February fight accounted for 19 million U.S. dollars. And we also had closed circuits that went into bars and restaurants, uh, most of which are closed, and that's another four to five million Mm dollars. So now if you take close to 25 million dollars out of the pot, uh, it's very, very hard to see how you can do the fight and satisfy both fighters. So, so presumably then, December the 19th is still on. That's penciled in, isn't it? That, so if you... We, we were talking about this earlier. Um, obviously, as you say, behind closed doors is very difficult to do because of, of the hugeness of the fight, the magnitude of what we're talking about. Um, would you look at another country, ultimately, if you can't get it on in Las Vegas with, say, 15,000, 20,000 there? 
We've been all over the world, and we have had deals all over the world. And at the last minute, after a deal is reached, the Minister of Health in the various places uh, informed uh, the Ministry of Sports that they would not guarantee uh, that the fight would be held with any spectators. And so they pulled out. I mean, the uncertainty, you know, it's it's all well and good to say the Saudis or this and that are willing to put up money for a fight. But that really uh, includes being able to do the fight uh, for spectators. I mean, there's nobody that I know is paying for money for a fight to be in their country when nobody can attend the fight. Bob, we're doing a thing tonight. I've got to ask you this. Um, you've had two of our list. We are looking. We've, got, we've been inundated with people's views. The greatest Southpaw of all time. Who is it for you? Well, you know, I've had some great Southpaws, uh, mm. like the marvelous Marvin Hagler. But for me, the best Southpaw I've ever seen is Vasily Lomachenko. <laughs> Not Manny Pacquiao? Not Manny Pacquiao. Vasily Lomachenko, a guy who uses his southpaw stance to the greatest tactical advantage. And we're obviously going to be seeing him on October 17th in that fantastic fight against Teofimo Lopez, something that we're all excited about. So thank you very much for being able to get that fight on. It should be an absolute cracker. Um, just going back to what you were talking about, about the biggest names and hopefully getting fans back into arenas and what have you and, and being able to get the biggest names back in the ring for, from a fan space. I've no doubt that you've, you've got an opinion on what's happening with Canelo uh, and his broadcast deal and everything that's going on there. Um, what are your thoughts on how that's all playing out? You know, again, it, be, it becomes complicated legally as to what is said in the contract whether uh, there's room for negotiation. And having never seen the contract, I really can't comment on that. I mean, my information is probably less than yours. So, I mean, I'm really sorry to see a big attraction like uh, Canelo on the shelf, uh, but I don't know the whys and wherefore. And for me to even discuss it wouldn't be appropriate. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Is, is boxing, <laughs> Bob, is boxing in a good place right now? Or are, are we in need um, of... Uh... Boxing, boxing will not be in a good place until the world is in a good place having defeated or contained the coronavirus. While the coronavirus is out there, boxing is hurting like every other major sport is hurting uh uh maybe less so because it's an individual sport and we've done many events uh with no spectators but again uh no sport is in a good place and that includes boxing 
So there you have it. Imperative that fans return to those arenas sometime soon so we get to see the best fighting the best. One man that will have an opinion on what Bob was just talking about, about the big unification between Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez, will be Jose Ramirez's WBO mandatory challenger, Jack Catterall. We got him on the phone for a bit of a chat. Uh, boxed in November last year and I thought that Ramirez and Postel was going to take place in February and then potentially I'd get a crack at it in summer. We're at the end of summer now, but I've uh, been ticking away in the gym and, uh, like you said, a bit of relief now the WBO finally pushed uh, the notice to the governing bodies and 20 days and hopefully we can come to some, co- some sort of deal. No, absolutely, man. And I've no doubt that you watched um, Ramirez uh, Postal because it has a direct effect on your next, uh, uh, your next training camp and your next fight. So what did you make of it? What did you make of the performance of uh, the, the guy that remained champion? And do you believe he should have remained champion? Uh, I think it was a good fight. Uh, I thought uh, Postal boxed really well. Uh, couldn't have argued with a draw. I mean, Ramirez had both the titles, so you kind of need to go out and put a really strong performance on uh, to take them titles from him but yeah overall a good fight I thought Postal boxed really well and uh, I've seen a lot of uh, chinks in Ramirez that uh, hopefully if I get the chance to fight him next I can capitalise on Jack um, what's your feeling about um, the fact that they may push um, for a world title if you aren't uh, a unification or an undisputed title with Josh if you if you aren't able to get in there in time? Of course, I just finished off watching uh, Josh Taylor's interview with IFL. And listen, I understand it. It's a mega fight. He's got two of the titles. Ramirez has got two of the titles. And they both want the undisputed crown, which is understandable. I think I've been mandatory for over 18 months now. I've been waiting and waiting. It's like, how much longer can you wait? So, I mean, I'm confident in, in my team that that the best decision will get made. Uh, hopefully next week we should have some more news. But listen, I want to go and fight Ramirez. I want to fight the likes of Josh Taylor. These are the fights I want to get involved in. I'd, I'd hate to just be sidelined. And I feel like the best of me is yet to come out and my best years are ahead of me. So I'm just excited to get invo- involved in these big fights. No, absolutely. Listen, you you you've got to look after yourself. You've got to look after your own interests. And like you said, you've been waiting uh, for a long period of time. Josh is out in a couple of weeks. We had him on the show a moment or two ago talking about his Kong Song fight. And listen, he might come through that um, injury-free. He might not. At the end of the day, you've got to concentrate on what you are doing. And if you can get a fight uh, with Ramirez done before the end of this year and get over to, um, I would would think that it might be over in America and what have you, behind closed doors or whatever it may be. But if you can get over there and, and get that done, that then in itself could set you up for that big unification clash. I know you don't want to look ahead of obviously becoming world champion, but there's some potential monster fights at 140 for you further down the line off the back of the Ramirez fight. Of course there is. Uh, like I just said, then these are the fights that I believe will bring the best out of me. There's a lot of good fights at 140 pounds. Uh, and like you just said, then I get the chance to go and fight Ramirez the end of this year. There's a, there's a mega fight with Josh Taylor, uh, early next year, an all-British world title fight. Uh, and aside from them, t- them two names, there's, there's a lot of good names in the 140 division, so uh, exciting times ahead, really. Absolutely, man. Yeah, like you say, there's Regis Progre, Victor Postel, there's all these guys out there. Um, do, do you, When you watched Ramirez last week against Postel, did you see things you could exploit in your contest with him? 
yeah, so I've, I've, these are the guys that I've been watching for the last two years. Uh, I was chasing down Maurice Hooker, believing I was getting the world title fight before he unified with Ramirez. Mm. Uh, and I always thought I'd, I'd beat Maurice Hooker. And once Ramirez beat him, everybody was kind of raving over uh, Ramirez's performance. Yeah, he put on a good performance, but uh, I believe that I'd done the same to Hooker. Uh, but you go back mm. a couple of fights watching Ramirez. Uh, don't get me wrong, he's not world champion for nothing, but I've seen uh, weaknesses and chinks in the armour. Uh, he's got a good left hook, and I believe he's, he's a solid fighter, but he's, uh, he takes a lot of punches to, to get in there, and I just believe, uh, I believe I've beat him. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right, how about this? Let's introduce a new weight category in between cruiserweight and heavyweight. Wait a minute, don't get on your IOS. Don't start shouting about, we've got too many belts, we've got too many weight categories. Let Tony Bellew explain the reasons why it's a good idea. Okay, the thought process was Don Majewski had been talking to the WBC, but Don Majewski's had these thoughts for a long time, as have many others, including myself. Now, I'm a fighter who fought, obviously, at light heavyweight, boiled down to that weight category, and then jumped up immediately and went to cruise weight and went on to do whatever I have done. But this is not about me, but I'm just letting you know that I've done it so I understand how tough the weight jump is. Now, the biggest weight gap in boxing uh, before what I'm going to talk about is eight pounds, and that is from middleweight to super middleweight, 11.6 to 12 stone. That's the biggest weight, that's the biggest gap in the boxing fraternity. Now, the difference in all the other weight categories is, is, is as I say, it's minimal. It's four pounds, it's three pounds, sometimes six pounds, whatever have you. 
Now, the weight jump from light heavyweight to cruiserweight is £175 to £200. That's £25. That's the best Mm. part, boys, of two stone, and that's just too much. Now, I I get what Don Majewski is saying because he's saying now, in the the current game, the heavyweights are just, the big boys are too big and the smaller heavyweights are not able to to compete with the bigger boys, even as great as some of them are, the likes of Alexander Usyk, it is looked at now as he is not going to be able to compete with the monsters, not because of his boxing ability, but purely because of his size. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree with that to a certain extent, but I don't like the fact of messing around with divisions too much, you know. So the one thing that I think everybody should be able to agree on is you can never touch the 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 the, the 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 original weight divisions, you know, for me, light heavyweight division, 175 is an iconic division. Yep. It's steeped in history, glory, whatever you want to put it. It should never be touched. So 175 can't be touched. Now, what I feel can be touched and messed around with this. I didn't like when cruiserweight division was moved up slightly. Yeah, it, used to, it used to be 186. Mm-hmm. 186 mm-hmm. pounds which was 13 stone 8 it got moved to 200 to accommodate the smaller heavyweights now here's where my thinking goes with WBC and I've said this to Maurizio Sullivan the WBC president I actually like the division going from 175 light heavyweight keeping that original barrier and then maybe let's move the 175 up to 190 yep so the 186 might have been a bit low, but if we go to 190, it's, it's pretty much, you know, it's there or thereabouts. It's mm-hmm. £10 pounds under the cruiser division now, but that will make it a bit better for the guys who are really struggling on light heavyweight, but are good-sized cruiserweights, but not monster cruiserweights. Yep. And if I had my way, I would go from 190 to 220. Okay. From 190 to 220, you're looking at then the small heavyweights. I would have fell into that category quite comfortably. Mm-hmm. Alexander Usyk falls into that category quite comfortably. You know, Deontay Wilder falls into that category. David Hay would have done, wouldn't he, back in the day? David Hay would have just... And Muhammad Ali, Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Muhammad, Muhammad Ali fought, fought at 216 in his mid-career, yeah. you know? Would have been perfect, you know. I, I even think, you know, a prime Mike Tyson possibly falls yeah. into that category yeah. somewhere there or thereabouts. Uh, there's a number of them boys who go around the Holyfield walks into that division all day. So there is, it's been apparent for quite a number of years now. I mean, once Lennox Lewis solidified and dominated the, 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 his scene of his era, I believe... And the clutch goes. From the, mm. Yeah, from the minute Lennox stopped, and that, that's what I'm touching on now, we go into from the, the Lennox era to the Klitschko era. It was them mm. two, uh, it was them eras where we started to see giants appear. Mm. And that's when... Super this heavyweights practice, tone. Super yeah, heavyweights. Now, now, what I'm saying, I, I, uh, sorry, is is you can't you can't mess around. Now, you can't have a super heavyweight division in box. It is one heavyweight division. That's all it should ever be. You can't start messing around with the names mm-hmm. of them, whatever. There should always be one heavyweight division. I just feel, you know, what people say to me, well, what would you call it? What would you do? I would say you go to cruiserweight and then maybe super cruiserweight. Something mm-hmm. of them of that ilk, but you can't ever have a super heavyweight division and a heavyweight division. I just think it's it's not reasonable. It's ridiculous, and you can't play with the original weight classes and the names of the weight classes. In my opinion, this weight class that you're looking to bring in is a perfect thing. And and you know, if I had if I had complete control of something like this, the first matchup that I would look to do would probably be Deontay Wilder versus Alexander Usyk. 
for the Great belt fight. straight away. And it's an amazing Great fight, boys. Someone, you know, the, the the division will be relevant immediately with a fight of that magnitude. Uh, I just think, you know, it's got great potential. And then, you know, I look at what Alexander Pavekin weighed in at the other day. He's another one who falls into that weight category. Uh, so, as I say, boys, it's just, we'll see how it goes. You know, I've got my ideas. I've got my thoughts. I'll, I'll throw my 10 pence into the mix and see how it comes. But, you know, it's it's something that I've felt strongly about for a number of years, especially for me. Once I won that WBC Cruiserweight title, it was hard for me after that. Now, I went into two fights with David Hay, a heavyweight. Mm. I weighed in at 15 stone, which is, you know, 210 10. or 212. Yeah. And in in my opinion, you know, I, I was at my physical peak and prime and the very best I ever felt weighed in for any fight in the David Hay rematch. And I performed perfect. It was the time when I didn't have to make weight, but I dieted hard for 12 weeks at clean. Yeah. Didn't worry about how much I was putting in, and I weighed in at what I weighed in, and it was 15 stone bang on the mark. That was 210 pounds for me. That was the perfect ideal weight. But you know, as I said, if I was still fighting cruiserweight, 210 is my best weight, but I have to make 200. So taking that 10 pound off, it does it does take it out of your voice. I'm not going to lie to you. So mm. as I say, that weight division is relevant. I think it is needed. Uh, but I also believe you should never mess with the original weight classes. You know, the last thing we need to see is any more fiddling around and playing with the original weight classes. And I'd say a big thing that everyone's missing the point of here is boxing is a very, very dangerous game. And I've been in it for a number of years. Uh, and the last thing you want to see is a fighter getting in the ring who's drained and tired and exhausted purely because of making weight. And I've been there and done it. You know, it's dangerous. Yeah, and Tone, the, the, the bigger the man, the heavier the man, the more dangerous it is because the more power they have, of course. And, and that's yeah. what the public needs to be aware of. You you are very aware of it. Um, what's the time scale on this realistically happening? I mean, you talk about that matchup between Deontay Wilder and Alexander Usyk. Is that yeah. something that that you think could be plausible by the middle of ne- or the end of next year? Yeah, potentially. I mean, it's up to both camps. I mean, you know, Deontay Wilder's obviously scheduled to face Tyson Fury. Do, have we got an exact date on it yet? You know, I'm sure he wants to go ahead with it, but I, I'm actually basically just giving the guy something to fall back on. And then, you know, Alexander Usyk is set to fight Derek Chisora. I know for the fact Alexander Usyk wants to fight the biggest guys possible, but I understand the reason and the meaning why he wants to face them guys. He wants the best money available. He knows his career is coming towards, you know, the end. He's been around a long time and he wants to get maximum, you know, money for the maximum amount of, of danger. So I get that. But this guy could is an unbelievable fighter. And I genuinely believe the only reason Alexander Usyk is going to lose is because of size. I don't believe anyone in the world can beat the boy who is of a similar size and similar ilk. Mm. Fair, listen, it's a fair point, and the way that you've explained it all, a lot of boxing fans will be nodding away there, actually thinking, yeah, actually, it makes an, an, an awful amount of sense. Realistically, I know that you're having conversations with the top guys. You've mentioned Mauricio's name there. Do yeah. you, I know Gareth just asked you a timescale uh, situation there, but do you envisage this actually happening? I do think it will happen. As I yeah. said, my, my primary thing is that I look after a couple of boxers and manage a few boys. My primary concern is keeping them safe. And making sure they come out of boxing with us with everything intact that they came into it with, which is very, very hard to do. Now, mm-hmm. as I said, I've got an awful lot of experience and I've been and, and, and through many of these things, I've, I've absolutely brutalised myself and, and 
cannibalise my own body to make 175 pounds, 12 stone seven. You know, I'm six foot three, making 12 stone seven was ridiculous. Now, when I went up to cruiserweight, it even got hard making cruiserweight the last time. You know, it got hard making it for the title fight, but your body adjusts and grows. I just don't ever want to see a fighter again in the position I was when I went in the ring against Donna Stevenson, and that was someone who literally had 30 seconds in him. And if you didn't land anything in them 30 seconds, I was finished. But that's just a brutal honesty. Don't get me wrong, that's not an excuse. I lost to the better man on the night in the Donnerstein team. He was a brilliant champion and he beat me fair and square. But make no mistake, when I got in the ring that night, I was a danger to myself. And I don't want to see fighters in that position. You know, I, But as I say, the lads I look after now, uh, I'm just there purely for their welfare and to make sure they learn the game, understand the business, and then they can take the control of their own careers themselves. But there's so many out there, guys, that are out of danger in these weight divisions. And I think this weight division will will give just a little bit more security to these smaller heavyweights because I'm telling you now, these big guys are monsters, boys. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was on the right on the brink of facing one of the heavyweight champions in Joseph Parker. Basically, we were on the verge of doing it. And he is the only fighter I could have faced because he's a smaller heavyweight. Uh, but, you know, when you go in with these monsters, you, you stand no chance. It doesn't matter how good you are. These big boys just, they walk you down, they will get you, and they will they will rough you up and tie you out and just drain you. I mean, asking Alexander Usyk to walk against Tyson Fury is insane, in my opinion. It really is, because Fury's just absolutely huge. It is, it is. Huge. It's his toughest fight. It, it, yeah. Without doubt. Um, Tony, without just doubt. outside... Um, t- Tone, talking, talking. Uh, just uh, for one, uh, one last thing. Outside yeah. this divisional conversation, we're talking about. Yeah. We were both there at fight camp four, and I was delighted to be in the same cricket team and sledge you during the uh, <laughs> during the fight week. Um, but th- th- and, 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 and I, honestly, I sledged Tony. I was only trying to get the best out of him because he was in my team, and I know he responds well <laughs> when you sledge him. But he walked away mumbling, and I was just scared. And um, the, the, the 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 what I wanted to ask you was: you were there for Dillian White. You were working on it. Um, yeah. Is he, because Adam and I were talking about this before you came on air, is he right to take the fight straight away with Alexander Povetkin? 100%. I don't think it, it leaves the lad any other way around it. You've got to look at it very similar to the position Anthony Joshua's in when he loses to Andy Ruiz. If he goes somewhere else, yes. then, you know, what does he do, Gareth? I mean, if Povetkin loses or whatever, I mean, he goes, you've, everyone's got to remember here that, as I said, very similar to Anthony Joshua. And the first Ruiz fight, he's one punch away from winning. Same thing for Dillian White. Dillian White is one punch away from rendering Alexander Povetkin unconscious. He's dropped him twice. He's one punch away from putting him out in a quicker time than anyone's done before him, in a more impressive fashion than anyone's done before him. And then he just, he, it's a small lapse of concentration of what he's done. He's bent down, looking at the canvas, took his eyes off his opponent, and in that split second, I mean, as I said before, I've touched on this. I've known Alexander Povetkin for 15 years through amateur circuit and the professional circuit. I have never, ever seen him show a single bit of emotion in all them 15 years. And when he hits, Dilly, I'm not saying it's a lucky punch. There's no such thing as a lucky punch in boxing. You throw the punch, it's meant to hit you. It lands, it's a job well done. But I have never seen that man show any emotion after the fight. And he screamed at the top of his voice when he hit Dillian White with that punch. Because he knows that is a once-in-a-lifetime punch. He will never land a punch like that again. He will never be in that kind of trouble again and get out of jail or he did. He knew he was he was done. 
Correct. But he, but he eats it on a punch that that I can't explain. I mean, it was an uppercut come hook. Billy Graham used to call it like a, a corkscrew punch. It was unbelievable, and it lands and Dillian's out. But Dillian, you can't knock Dillian at all. And I'll say this, and I mean it one hundred percent. Dillian is a lad who's learning on the job, and he ain't learning against twenty fight journeymen or guys who have got hard fifty fifty records. Dillian White had a very very limited amateur background. And he's he's progressed and done absolutely since the loss to AJ. I will I will hand on art say he is the most improved heavyweight in the world. And he's fought everyone and anyone since he went in with AJ. And no one can knock that. He's just he's had one little lapse of country and it's cost him. And you know what? It's it's heartbreaking for him that it's happened at the very final stage where it's happened. But I'll say this, and I 100% believe that Dillian White will one day lift the heavyweight championship of the world. He will. I don't know how he'll do it. Completely I agree. Be, I don't know who it'll be against, but I genuinely believe that with the right opponents at the right time, he can do it. He, he's just he's just been very unfortunate to have it for the last agree. stage. I think he goes into the rematch with Pavekin, and as long as he ticks all the boxes in camp, now this is a massive part for me for Dillian now, he has to tick all the right boxes going into the actual camp. I think come fight night, if he's done that and he's done everything he can possibly and he gets it all right in camp, I believe he beats Alexander Povetkin because he was only one punch away from doing it last time, guys. I genuinely believe that. So we'll see how it goes for him. I think he's a very brave individual and deserves an awful lot of credit to be taken on an Olympic gold medalist, a former European world amateur champion, a former world professional boxing champion. When you don't need to, deserves massive plaudits because very few people take risks in boxing especially when you're a mandatory challenger for you know in my opinion the best belt in boxing the WBC championship so he deserves a lot of credit and I do think you know he gets the rematch I do think he gets it done but it's an easy it's not an easy fight by any stretch of the imagination guys I just wish him luck uh, and people will think I'm being biased by the match I give Alexander Vecchio an awful lot of credit I'm not his biggest fan because of his past and past history, with the with everyone knows what we we you know my opinion is on all that. But as long as he's passed the boards and he's allowed to fight with the organisations and he's passed his drug test that he's supposed to, you have to judge him on what he's done. And what he's done was absolutely remarkable. He's landed that once in a lifetime punch. I'm genuinely believe he won't land that again. It's very very rare. You, you get one of them punches in a career, guys. And that was his night that he's, he's get out of jail card boys like that and that doesn't that doesn't come twice. There you go. You can tweet us if you want with your opinions on whether what Tony was saying there about introducing a new weight category is a good idea or not. It's all up to you. It's a 50-50 debate. Get stuck into it. Now, one young man that impressed us recently in the fight camp shows was Chris Congo. 16 months he's been outside of the ring and he came back and put in a stellar display against Luther Clay. Uh, Well, he's having a bit of rest and relaxation at the moment. He's on his holidays, but that didn't stop us giving him a ring. And he joined us on Saturday Night Show. I worked hard, I've worked hard these last 16 months. He wanted to feel what it was like to go deep and he's in massive trouble here. And Congo on the verge of stopping his man in dramatic style. There's nothing like being in a ring and if I can get out again, I'll perform way better than that. The towel's gone in, it is over. It is a breakthrough night for Chris Congo from Bermondsey who makes it 12 wins on the spin. He rose to the occasion. Uh, 
I just knew for me it was never any bad luck or anything. It was just timing. Um, I, I, I believe that when something ain't going your way, it eventually is going to turn around as long as you stay dedicated and you just stay determined and disciplined in your craft, then it can happen. So, um, yeah, for me, I just stayed persistent and stuff. And uh, that's what, you know, knowing knowing what my end goal is in boxing is what kept me going through the hard times. Chris, we, we were talking about the welterweights tonight, you know, just talking about Calbrook and... Um... The fight yeah. with uh, with Terence Crawford potentially. We're going to speak to uh, Bob Arum from the very young in the industry to the to the venerated and elderly in the industry. Um, yeah. You didn't specifically call out your next opponent afterwards. I mean, where where do you want to go next? I know that you're um, very reasoned in your approach. I mean, we had Conor Ben on the show last week, and he was saying yeah. that. He's targeted someone like Virgil Ortiz, maybe two, two and a half years away, because these, you know, these names are Sean Porter and Errol Spence and Manny Pacquiao, Cal Brook. They'll mm-hmm. all be gone by then. Maybe not Terence Crawford. I, I suspect he'll still be around. But what's the yeah. route you're targeting? Where, where's your next stages? Um, I, I don't. I'm not really fast. Um, for me, I wanted to, you know, uh, fight at a British level fight about two, three opponents at a British level and probably move on. I want to go into bigger and better things and get onto these guys like Virgil Ortiz, Conor Ben's talking about fighting these guys two years. I'm, I'm talk, In two years' time, I'm talking about fighting them in the next maybe four or five fights in my career. So um, that's a lot quicker. I'm looking to move a lot quicker. I know my ability and um, for now, I want to be aiming for people like Conor Ben himself. Um, he's going for the British title. Maybe I can get the win out of him and Chris Jenkins. Or maybe uh, me and Josh Kelly can get it on. And then after that, the winner, uh, we fight the winner out of um, Chris Jenkins and, and Conor Ben. So that's another um, fight I'm looking to, you know, um, take. You know, I'm willing to take any fight at the moment. Uh, the, the main thing for me is just staying active, and uh, that's what I need, activity. And like I said before, if people are saying that was a great performance now, from having 16 months out, what's it going to be like when I'm fighting regularly and I'm active? So you, you, you're looking at three, four fights a year now from this point on, presumably, not and, and, and not having these long breaks, because... It is about momentum in the sport, isn't it? And, you know, I mean, you and I have chatted several times and, and I know your aspirations and I know you've got that eye of the tiger. You really have. We know that about you. But presumably, it's putting it's putting those performances behind you now rather than being in long training camps or being out in long periods. I mean, I, I wonder whether um, sabbaticals, trips to America, spending periods in America might work for you as well. Uh, yeah, that could possibly work, but um, I think for me, I'm based in the UK. Um, I previously had offers from people in America, but I wasn't interested. My fan base is here. I can sell tickets here. I can do the numbers over here. So there's no point. If if I can go to America for a training camp, yes, that's perfect. Um, I see um, we've seen we've got Matchroom, UK, USA. So if there's an opponent for me in America, maybe even Ray Robinson, that um, 
Josh Kelly previously yeah. boxed, I'll go there and fight. And I'll take fights like that in America. So that's the only the only reason I'll be looking to go because only to fight or maybe to do a camp out there. That's it, not purely. You mentioned obviously fighting at, at British level, Chris, and I'm lo- I'm just looking at the at the fighters that are fighting um, <clears throat> in and around Britain at welterweight, and we've got listen. There's some potentially brilliant matchups. I know you've mentioned Jenkins and Ben, and obviously Josh Kelly there, who I think he's fighting uh, David Evanessian at some point. But you've got uh, yeah. uh, Michael McKinson, Danny Ball, Lewis Crocker, Paddy Gallagher. These guys, I mean, a fight like that, one of those guys. If you fight one of those guys, then all of a sudden. You surely are the guy next in line to be taking on Jenkins uh, for for the British title, aren't you? And that and that surely must be something that you want to do to get yourself get your hands on a Lonsdale belt. Hundred um, percent. I see Michael McKinson. He's been saying he's um, hasn't been fighting. No one's given him the opportunity. When I had sixteen months out, he was he was fighting actively. He said no one wants to fight him. People are scared. I'm not scared of him. We can get the fight going on. That's a, another fight I'll be willing to take as well. Um, the other two guys, um, I know I've seen Lewis. Lewis is it Lewis Crocker? I've seen Crocker, him. yeah. He's a good fighter. I'll be willing to take that fight. Um, the other guy you mentioned, I'm not quite too sure. I don't know much about him, so I can't really say at the moment. But Mate. them two names are brilliant for me. Now then, this weekend coming, the 12th of September, um, there's a certain light heavyweight returning to action. You saw him against Kovalev, narrowly missing out on that world title. He nearly had him out of there, didn't he? Well, he's back in action this week against Dex Spellman. I'm, of course, referring to Anthony Yard. Gareth A. Davis went down to his media day for a little bit of a chinwag, not only to him, but first of all, to his trainer, Tunde. Experiences like that, you can't buy borrow or pretend to have as they say and uh, I always knew that going in uh, you know we were confident all the way uh, we're still confident now but one thing I knew as a manager mentor as a just a friend to Anthony that this young man is gonna gain experience which is gonna set him in good seed moving forward and I'm happy for Anthony as you can see he's Happy, he's, he's buoyant, bright, he's, he's buoyant, buoyant yeah. and he's confident because you know you know you've been in there with the very best, uh, Sergei Kovalev. I mean, over 300 amateur fights against versus a man who had 12 amateur fights. So we could over, you know, we are part of Ser- Sergei Kovalev now. When they done the figures out of Andre Ward, Bernard Hopkins, all the fights, Chilimba, Anthony Yard landed the most shots on, on Kovalev, yeah. from Kovalev in his whole career. So that is that in significant. itself is significant. Uh, it shows you where Anthony is at. Shows uh, for me, it shows what I've always known. Anthony Yard is definitely um, one for the future, and I'm, I, I'm I'm just enjoying this. We're all looking forward to him against uh, um, Joshua Boatsi. Obviously, one thing at a time. But you know, Joshua Boatsi is the fact that they, you know they, you know everyone's talking about. Do you think they should hold world titles first before they meet each other? It has to be. Yeah. It has to be, you know, because uh, we are, I keep saying it, we are the A-side. We have built up uh, a, a following, a resume, and uh, he hasn't got there yet. Yeah, maybe, I mean, I spoke to, uh, is it uh, Freddie? Um, Cunningham. Cunningham, or, yeah. Anna, from the AJ team. From the AJ team, and uh, the AJ he team said that this was going to be the year that they build him up. 
you know, the 2020. So difficult at the moment. Then. It's difficult at the moment because of COVID and what's happened. But um, I think you know, the main thing is to keep it in people's minds. And if he keeps performing the way I expect him to, because he's a very good fighter. Anthony's definitely going to keep performing the way he is. What a mega fight. He's talking about Watson, Ben and, ben and Eubanks. And that kind of, ain't going to be like that. Though. No, I think it's totally <laughs> that. <laughs> I think it's totally that. It's, it's definitely that level of, uh, absolutely. of, of rivalry absolutely. and bragging rights and all yeah. those things that go with it. But know? I just feel he, needs, he just needs to become more popular because, you know, it is a numbers game. And... Um, you got to build out the numbers. The numbers got to make sense. You know, we're not. We got to a certain level by hard work, dedication, and, and proving that we belong in a certain position. So we're not just going to fight someone because someone in the internet says they should yeah. fight. It's got to make sense. Uh, but great fight, great prospect. But no way am I overlooking Dex Spellman. Dex Spellman. You know, this is a guy who's only come short, come up just a little bit short at English level and Commonwealth level, and in both fights he's came strong from start to ending. So I don't know if he's going to be able to run into Anthony the way he did with the other two uh, lads, but we know one thing about Deck, tremendous performer and a great heart and great engine. Presumably, I know you were never like that, but you know lots of people who have maybe got drawn into that because they didn't have other things going on and they didn't have an interest in their lives when they were 14, 15. It's a really weird time for young men, isn't it? And they get drawn because they've got loads of energy, they're young men, they're growing up and they're fearless and they just kind of go the wrong way for a while and boxing is, a boxing gym is such a great beacon for them to change, isn't it? Boxing is a way, I know it sounds like it's, it's violent and things like that, but it's a way to let out some sort of aggression. Kids go to play football, kids play tennis, kids have to burn energy, especially if they're, you know, um, very energetic, because when you get stored energy, you get mischievous, you want to cause trouble, you want to do all sorts of things. So, um, when I grew up, there was loads of youth clubs, um, there was things that you could go to. Yes, trouble happened in them places, but it's better than kids being on the corner of a street. Literally yesterday, me and my good friend, J. Emmanuel Thomas, was jogging. We'd done a little 10K jog, and we saw a kid, was in Forest Gate, E7. East London and we was jogging and these boys when they saw us jogging towards them they done like a little scatter thing so we, we stopped and we was like what's, what's wrong they were like oh, oh we thought you were someone else yeah you scared us man I was like well, why are you sort of standing here waiting I don't understand because a lot of these kids they get themselves into problems because they stand there and wait for trouble and then they're anticipating trouble so trouble comes it's and then they get a knife because they're scared exactly. and then the worst thing happens and they do a 15 year stretch exactly and, and, and they've lost that bit of their life you know exactly did you feel, did you, did you say to them, listen, why don't you come down the gym? I said that, I said, look, I said, you don't need to get yourself in a boxing gym. I yeah. said, Ilford, they goes, oh, we can't go with Ilford. I just carried on jogging. I said, I said, there's a time and place for it. I said, I'm not going to stop my jog to talk to these kids because you can see their mindset. You can't, you got what I'm saying? I just said, look, come to a boxing gym in Ilford. We can't go with Ilford. I said, I know where they are. I'll go and talk to them another time. Or I'll even get Stephen to go and talk to them because Stephen's gone to Hackney. He's gone to um, Forest Gate. He's gone to so many different areas where when he was about 10 years ago, if he weren't there, he would have got chased out. So it shows you, it depends on your mindset and your mind frame and what you're trying to achieve. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's one of the things. I'm always going to be behind the cause of getting kids off the street because the opportunity is there. They, sometimes they just don't know it. I always remember the story you told me about when you were on a bus once and about 40 kids got on. Yes. And they were just like looking for trouble and some of them had knives and, mm -hmm. and you were just, you've watched a lot of that all your life. You're on yeah. the margins of it. Yes. And it's brilliant that you want to use your influence, you use your name, use your platform to hopefully change lives, you know? A hundred percent. And I feel like I've done that a lot 
um, even even older boys, like we call them olders, the older generation to me, um, a lot of them, when I was growing up, they were into the gang stuff, they were into the violence, they were into the, the drugs and all the, all the negativity. And now they're looking at me and saying, like, yard, they always call me yard, they're like, you're doing your thing, bro. Keep doing your thing, we're, we're behind you, we're supporting you. Um, and then they're, they're seeing what I've achieved and they're pointing at the young kids and saying, no, follow him. Um, he was with us as well. He was doing certain things. He was, he could have went in the wrong direction. Follow him. Um, he's doing his thing now. And then again, the, the motivation, you can call it quote unquote in the hood, is money. All these kids do it nine times out of ten for money. And um, when you're doing something for money, sometimes you, 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 can, you can become desperate. And then you get led into the wrong trap. Fast money, it always ends in no money. <laughs> because you either end up dead or you end up in prison. Um, or you end up in a situation where you can't even go to the shop and go and buy a can of beans for your mum. So um, I always say this, focus on the right people. Um, I, stopped look, I stopped watching people like in my area. I started looking at people like, you know, people that I could still relate to, but that like, were doing positive things. Jay-Z, you know, 50 Cent. Um, people that had a similar kind of background to me, or maybe even worse background than me, but made positive outcomes from me. And that's what I always tell these kids, and I feel like sometimes I'm that to the younger generation coming up. It seems a long time ago that you went to Tractor Stadium yes. in Russia. You were within a whisker of stopping this guy who was really yes. a big name in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. What have you, as the dust has settled on, was it nine, ten months ago now? It's, it's over there, it's over a year. Because it, it, yeah, it, it was, it was in August. Like it was August before, August 24th. Ago, yeah. um, what have, as the dust has settled, do you look back on it now as a really kind of positive learning experience, yes. even though you didn't come home yes. with, with the booty, the pride, you know? You know what? Recently I've been listening to 50 Cent's audiobook, um, The Hustler, The Hustler's um, audiobook. And there's parts of that in there where he says things like, he was willing to fail over and over again to succeed. If you never try, it's impossible to succeed. But then each time you fail, you learn something. So. Um, time he done something you know he failed so many times before he got signed um, he had so many setbacks you know he was about to sign the deal then he got shot the label saw him as like a, a um, liability and things like that so he got dropped and then he stayed on his job and that's the same thing with me like I saw it as like it was impossible it's, it was an impossible ask to go out to Russia and knock out a couple of that's, I thought that's the only way I was going to win but I made a good account of myself and we just very keep, good account and we just keep moving from there it you showed, haven't done that level yet that's the point exactly you know but you showed you are that level exactly and with the limited experience I've had it's just a mentality I keep saying to these everybody when I say lions in a camp it's, it's a mentality it's a mindset you have to install it in your mind first and believe in your own sh <laughs> before it becomes a reality so um, that's all I'm on Lions in the camp, it's a mentality. I met 50 Cent, you know, 50, 50, 50 Cent. 50, 50. Because he works at Bellator, yeah? Yes. With the, you know, with the million dollar tournaments. Yes. He's a very cool guy. I met him as well, I was with him for like, when I went to Vegas, I was with yeah. him for three hours. Yeah. And he literally sat down and spoke to us. And that's why I always have a deeper respect How for 50 Cent. How did you get Cent. the in with him? It was a guy named, you know, Devin Haney? Of course I know the boxer. Devin Haney, yeah. He's dad, Bill Haney. Yeah. Um, he, we, you know, we became close to him when we was in Vegas. We were staying in his mansion. Um, became very good friends and then he was like, look, do you not know 50 Cent? We were like, of course you know 50 Cent, we're big fans. We're listening to his music in the, in the truck. 50's on the level, isn't he? He's Different on the kind of level. level. Different is. kind of level. So they goes, oh, 50's going to be in town for a couple of days. I'm going to take you to meet him. We was like, oh, whatever. And then we was in Floyd's gym training and he goes, Fifth's here, God, we've got to leave. We all got packed up our stuff and then 50 was there at his new gym, which was in Vegas at the time. 
waiting for us and he spent about three hours with us just talking to us wanting to know about our lives what we was doing he was, that's the time when he was just opening the gym it was beautiful so he gave us um, information you can't even pay for you've got a sweat on talking about it 100% 100% 100% because again that's when I met Floyd and when I met 50 I said to um, I even said to Tunde do you say 50 not Fiddy then I say 50 I say come from England because I do, I do Fiddy and I, I'm probably too old to say Fiddy to yeah, be honest Fiddy but um, I'm one of them kind of people. Um, I always pay homage, and the information he gave me, and the things I learned from Floyd, from even watching him, and just hearing him say certain things. Again, I always pay homage, and um, I digest that information. Talk to me about Dex Bellman next week. Yes. Then, obviously, he's had tragedy in his life as well in the boxing ring. Remember? You know? <laughs> yeah, because he's fought a guy who passed away afterwards. Remember? Oh dear! See, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even know that. Um, You've got to take him seriously, haven't you? Oh, most definitely. I, I don't take nobody lightly. Not one person do I take lightly. Um, Dex Wilmer, from what I know, is that he's going to keep coming. He's um, solid, man. Yeah, he, he showed that in the fight with um, Lyndon Arthur. Yeah. No matter what happened, he kept coming. And um, I made a statement after the after the fight that I was a bit bored. And I thought that like Lyndon Arthur could have got him out there. Because when someone's walking forward, not moving their head, just taking shots... I feel like it's um, obviously you need to be cautious, but at the same time it's an entertaining sport. People just want to see knockout. People want to see some sort of entertainment, and um, that's what I'm looking to give. I've got to ask you about you know Frank Warren made this brilliant PR move the other day, and he and Eddie Hearn are going to meet. <laughs> yes. We've all want to see you and Joshua Boetsy at yes, some point. Yes. I mean, maybe it's too early. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a bigger fight than the, than the well. The Joyce Dubois fight is, for me, moves one of the winner into the top ten. No question yes. about it. It's an amazing fight for Joe Joyce if he wins. Mm -hmm. It's it's a big learning fight for Daniel Dubois. But you and Joshua Boetsy, I feel like I don't want to see it in a couple of months' time. I want to see it when you both got world titles yes, almost. Absolutely. How are you feeling about it? A hundred percent. Exactly what you just said. So it's big. It's a it's a big fight. It's yeah. a big fight, and um, you it's know, already a big fight. But it'd be a big big fight it's, it's, if you both had big titles. It becomes a massive fight if we both, you know, stay patient, keep doing our thing, and stay focused. Yeah. Um, Have you I've, met him? I've met him a couple of times. Are you friends, or are you are, do you, do you kind of do the lions pass each other and <laughs> growl a little bit? Do you? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's a um, it's a friendship, but we know each other um, relatively well. But um, there's respect there. Yeah. There's respect. Um, he He's respects, a nice guy. He respects what yeah, I do. Yeah. I respect what he does. Yeah. And. Um, when we meet, it's going to be an entertaining, entertaining fight because he's got a certain character and demeanor. I've got a certain character and demeanor, and uh, we both can fight. I think it takes us back. I think it's a kind of fight that takes us back to like Ben and Eubank and that kind of thing. Yeah, I can't see you guys only fighting once. Yeah, yeah, it will be. Do you know that's what I'm mean? saying. It will be a, um, a historic fight, and um, no matter what happens in the fight, again, if it's a good enough build-up and it's a good enough fight for the fans, people are going to want to see it again. So. That's an, again, things like this are things that I've dreamed of, you know, world title fights, big fights in terms of British domestic. I've got a lot of criticism for not fighting domestic fights, but again, I have my, my own little strategies and I, I'm a believer in opportunity. There you go, Anthony Yard speaking, and just before him, his trainer Tunde about their upcoming fight with Dex Spellman this weekend, 12th of September at the BT Sports Studios. If you come and join us live on Saturday night, we'll keep you abreast of how Anthony is getting on. There'll also be a lot of other guests coming to join us on Saturday night, so make sure you do too. But if you can't, like I said at the start of this podcast, hit subscribe on iTunes, and all the stuff that we do on the radio on a Saturday night will be in the podcast for you on a Monday morning. It's also available on the TalkSport website if you need an Android feed. It's been a pleasure. We'll catch you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.